Hello, and welcome back to Content Rookie. This is episode three, and this week we're going to be talking about authentic content and why authentic content is so awesome. I hope you enjoyed the last two episodes. I'm really happy about all the feedback I received. Please keep it coming. It is so helpful. Uh, And I'm really excited to get started with this week and talk about one of my favorite topics in all of content, and that is authenticity and how to make sure that the content you put out there feels real and relevant. So stay tuned and enjoy. All right, so we've talked about this before. I mentioned in my first episode that content marketing really is all about relationships. And of course, the most important relationships for any business are the ones that it has with its customers. And so authentic content plays a very, very vital role here. And what is authentic content? Authentic content is content that both reflects your brand and is delivered in a way that comes natural to your audience. So, for example, if we're thinking about a relationship in our life as it is, maybe with a friend or a sibling, then an authentic exchange is something where we feel like, hey, this really is something that that person would say. It's something that is in line with their personality, with their character. Maybe if they're very quirky, they joke a lot. That really feels like this is an authentic exchange because that's how we know them. If a person who we know is very playful and quirky and a jokester suddenly would be very very serious we'd feel like something is off with them and the same thing kind of goes with your content if you have a certain brand and your customers or your audience or your readers perceive that brand in a certain way and but then the content you put out is kind of inconsistent with that then that feels off and it starts feeling not authentic. My favorite example for this is every year when there's Gay Pride Week, so many companies who normally don't give a damn about LGBT rights suddenly put on gay gay campaigns and have the rainbow flag out and try to do all kinds of things to show their audience how much they care. And for a lot of them, it just doesn't feel very authentic, right? Because that is just not how we know their brand and how we perceive them. So if you want to create authentic content, then my top two tips are stop thinking like a salesman. You're not trying to sell something. We've spoken about this before, but when it comes to authenticity, it's even more important. And number two is start acting like your reader's mentor. And why would you want to act like a mentor? Well, think about the concept of mentorship. It's really about providing knowledge and value, but also really tuned into to what the mentee needs. So so it's a bit about coaching someone. It's a bit about delivering something of value for free, maybe. Um, it's, It's a bit about wanting that person to succeed that you're mentoring. And that's really what you have to think about when you put your content out there and you want it to be authentic. You need to stop thinking, like a salesman, like somebody who just wants to shove products off uh, up people's faces. And you need to start thinking about what kind of value can I provide? And I know I say this every week, but again, this is the basis of creating authentic content as well. But it is actually quite hard. Um, there was a recent study by Deloitte, and what it showed was that 51% of all consumers believe less than half of the brands create content that is authentic. While 92% of content marketers believe most or all of the content their brand creates resonates as authentic with the audience. That's a pretty big mismatch. Uh, more than that, 2.4 times uh, consumers more are more likely to say that user-generated content is the most authentic compared to branded content. While 
marketers are 2.1 more likely to say that brand-created content is more authentic than user-generated content. Just for to recap, user-generated content is any kind of influencer content or content customers put out there, like reviews, testimonials, Instagram snapshots, where they tag, tag the brands they're wearing. Um, that's things that we call user-generated content. But brands still think that the content they put out there themselves uh, is more authentic than, than that, which... I think is quite interesting study, but also is in line with what I've found uh, ever since I started working with content strategy and content marketing. A lot of brands develop a certain blindness to their own content. They think they have the perfect narrative. They think they have the perfect brand. They keep publishing content. It's a lot of tapping each other on the shoulder and thinking like, this is awesome. This will res resonate with the audience. It will make them think we're super authentic when really they're, they're missing the sweet spot there. So why do we want authentic content? We want authentic content because it enhances loyalty, just because as with a relationship, if we feel like the exchange is authentic, it brings us closer together. It also increases engagement and reach, just because it obviously impacts trust levels. Uh, it increases your authority. So because authentic content usually comes with a very consistent and coherent content experience for consumers, it really helps build trust and credibility. And it, of course, also maintains relevance and adds value. And I've added this point because a lot of authentic content marketing is about looking out for trends and seeing how a certain trend maybe impacts your brand and how you can make use of it. But it's also about not jumping on every single trend that is out there. And by being really tuned in, with what's going on in the world and incorporating that in your content marketing, you seem very relevant. And of course, that adds value and ensures that customers continuously care about what you put out there. So that kind of is the basics about how to be authentic in content marketing. And I know this sounds super vague and it's very difficult to, to think about actions coming from this. And one thing I like to say when, when clients struggle with this and they're like, oh, it feels like we're not really consistent, feels like we're not really authentic. Um, the first thing I like to do is I like to ask them about their company values how they perceive their brand. Oftentimes they already have a lot of documentation about this. Oftentimes that documentation is all over the place and doesn't really say anything. So I tried to take that and really narrow it down to a handful of brand uh, or company values. And then I use that as a basis to develop a tonality. And, and this sounds like something quite abstract for, for content marketing, right? Like, why would I have to think about the tonality my brand has, my content has? I'm, I'm just going to write it a certain way. Maybe I'm going to outsource it to a bunch of freelancers. The tonality doesn't matter. It's all about the content, right? Well, that's not really true because in a lot of instances, your content will be taken out of your branded context. So people won't consume it on your website where you have your brand colors, or they maybe won't consume it when, when you have control around, about the surroundings. And when your content is taken out of context like that, the tonality is what carries it and what makes sure that readers and consumers still recognize it's you. And if it's done really, really well, and the tonality is really in line with who you as a business are, who your brand is, who you are, and what your customers value, then it's going to be perceived as really, really authentic, even outside of your brand's context. And so I really believe in the power of tonality, and it's something I really enjoy working with and I try to help my clients with. And I use a specific model to develop tonality. 
Uh, and it's actually very, very simple. And I'm going to try to explain it to you in a very short couple of steps. So as mentioned before, the first thing I do is I ask about company values. I ask about brand values. So it's about a 50-50 chance that the company or the client you're talking to already knows their values and they'll just deliver them to you. And then you can ask a couple of more questions just to make sure you're aligned around what that value means to them and what they th why they think that value is important and specifically important to their audience. And once you have that, you think about them a bit more, you maybe take some notes, you can think about some other companies that potentially have similar values by doing some research, by doing some Googling. You can maybe look at some of their competitors and see what they're doing. Are they following the same values? Are they maybe doing something completely different? A great example is that um, some companies really like to go for a very serious tone. They wanna to be perceived as very trustworthy, very credible. So they'll stay away from like playful postmodern languages. But um, some companies think, hey, this is not really who we want to be. We want to perceived, uh, want to be perceived maybe as a bit younger, as a bit more quirky, a bit more playful and open. So they'll go for playfulness as a value. Um, and that can really help them stand out from competition that maybe isn't really going for that value at all. So once I've kind of defined that, I try to develop tonality drivers. So let's say a company really wants to be perceived as inclusive, as empowering. Those are two very important values for them. So then I would probably develop a tonality driver that maybe is called empathy driven. Uh, and empathy driven can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So what I do is that I create a table. And uh, on the left-hand side, it says write like this, where I write examples of the current co company copy, for example, something they have on their website or in their emails or in their white papers or in their articles. And I rewrite it in a way that I think it would be empathy-driven. In the middle, I have a section that is called not like this, where I pull out examples from, from their current copy and co comms material that isn't written in a very empathy-driven way. And both of those sections I, of course, also explain below in the second row. And then on the right side, I have a bit of a paragraph on why to, uh, having a tonality driver that is empathy-driven could be important to them. And I do this for most of the values I think are really, really relevant for their tonality. It's usually around three to five. Um, for some companies, two are enough and others need a, a bit more because maybe their brand is more complex or they have a lot of different personas that are going to react to certain drivers differently. So it's important to write out more of them. And this has proven really, really helpful when A, getting tonality adapted, but also showing the value tonality has because it directly shows examples to the client, to the customer, to the brand. And that's really, really helpful. And they can often just by reading those examples realize wow, this really makes me feel different about what I'm reading. This really feels like it enriches the relationship I would have with our brand. Um, and then you can do some more with that. You can develop more examples. You can rewrite a certain page on their website or maybe an article with a new tonality to just show how it looks versus what they have now. Um, I sometimes like to create word clouds. For example, if empathy driven is the tonality driver, I would create a word cloud that has a bunch of words that are connected to that, um, like patience, compassion, insight, appreciation. Um, and I'll, I'll do certain things to really help get across what I mean with this. And then oftentimes, if there's budget for that, I will also recommend to do a workshop with different members of the team that are maybe putting content out there and creating content to ensure that they understand why the tonality is important, what the tonality is, and what the tonality drivers are. 
So it's a very simple tool, but it's very, very powerful. And it really, really helps make tonality a big thing for a brand, for a company. And it helps with creating authentic content. Because if you have a very clear tonality, you're on board with it, you understand what it means, you create content, it's very easy to ensure that your content is more coherent. And it will also make other things much easier. Let's say let's say empathy driven is one of your tonality drivers and you really want to use a language that emphasizes that, then that would automatically also help you create content that really is more giving and more supportive to your readers. And it's really a great way to get started. And if you're looking for an example of a company that does tonality really well, that's MailChimp. You can actually Google for their content style guide and you'll find a page on writing goals and principles where they write, with every piece of content we publish, we aim to empower, they describe what that means, respect, they describe what respect means to them, and educate. And those are their tonality drivers and you can really feel that in all the content they put out there. And it's a great way that adds to their brand, which is actually perceived as one of the most authentic ones out there. So it's proof of concept that this works. But let's look at some other examples of authentic content. Uh, and one example I wanted to pull out is Zepas. They're, they are an American shoe retailer. And they had a bit of a problem that their main audience was a bit older and they wanted to attract a younger audience to to buy shoes from them and to appreciate their brand. And what they started doing was that they adapted the meme format. Uh, you sometimes see these memes on social media where people are texting each other and they're and they're talking in basically the same language they would talk in a text message. Uh, and they adapted this and started posting this on their social media to kind of put their little benefits and their little perks and offers in there, but to do it in a fun way that really feels on brand for them now and very authentic because they have been doing this thoroughly and consistently and they've also adapted their overall language to reflect this this younger this younger style of typing and texting so an example for example is um omg i have nothing to wear to pitch work this weekend the answer girl check out zapos they have free one business day shipping if you use the app this is why you're my best friend forever is the answer to that. And then there's, of course, also a bunch of emojis. And they've started communicating like this and adapted their overall tonality. And it has really worked for them to have their brand be perceived as a bit younger and to attract that younger audience. Another example is the American Express business trends and insights sections. So we know American Express as a brand that spends a lot of money on um, their content and their advertising but they have this specific niche audience that is small and uh, small business owners and entrepreneurs and for them they did not go with the influencer marketing strategy that they do with a lot of their consumer products but here they actually created a business trends and insights section that has a lot of very high quality content and guides for free um, to inspire businesses to grow, to help businesses grow. And they collaborate with thought leaders here that really know how to manage money, how to grow your business. And they put this out for free and it's very valuable to that specific niche audience that they're going after. And it feels very authentic because they, from day one, did it very thoroughly. They focused on very high quality and on thought leaders that people already recognize. And it really, really added to their brand for this niche audience specifically specifically without taking away from everything they're doing when it comes to B2C because they still are perceived as credible and very trustworthy and serious here. And then last but not least, I want to mention Spotify's wrapped up campaign. 
we all know this campaign comes out at the end of every year and it tells you your most listened to songs, your favorite genres, the artists you listen to the most. And it's kind of made in this fun, quirky style um, with a lot of numbers. It almost feels like one of those surveys from the 90s where you you find out which Harry Potter character you are or which type of cheese you are. Um, and it's really nice and it, it's shared by a lot of people and brings in a lot, a lot of you new users every year. And it still feels very authentic and very on brand for Spotify, right? Because they're using what you already have with them and provide with them and then what you get from them and what they get from you, that data, that exchange, they use that and just present it to you in a very nice way that feels very, oh, like this is a nice thing to do. It feels like you're getting value from it. Uh, and really, I mean, you probably know who you listen to the most, but because it's done in such a nice way and it's narrated in a really nice way. And of course, it's very spot on with the overall Spotify tonality. It really feels like you're getting value. And I think this is a, a great example of, of how simple it can really be to create authentic content, to really just look at, okay, like, what do we know our users like? What do we know our users want or our consumers or our readers? And how can we repackage that in a way that feels authentic for our brand, uh, but still delivers value to them? And that's a great way to approach trying to create more authentic content. And if we just want to remember what I've talked about a bit during the session and to kind of summarize it. So to nail authentic content marketing, you should really think about your personas. Who is your audience? What do they want? How do they perceive you and why? You should try to develop a tonality that suits your brand and stick with it. And here it's really important to reconnect with your brand and your company values. And you should meet your art audience where it is. So if they're on LinkedIn or TikTok, will probably influence the kind of content you put out there. Let's look at, for example, Zapas. They were trying to make their brand a bit younger, a bit more accessible to, to teenagers. Um, they started posting these text message memes. Would probably not have worked on LinkedIn as well as it did on Instagram. And finally, do make sure to pick up on trends that matter to your audience, but don't pick up every single one and don't jump on things just because they are not going to feel authentic for the brand you are and for how you're perceived right now. So in the end, again, it's really about knowing your values and knowing your audience and finding a way to hit the sweet spot bet between providing value, but also getting something back from your audience. Uh, ideally, if you're trying to sell something sales, or maybe if you're just a content creator, then some kind of engagement. And all of that is really going to benefit from authentic content. So that was this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I think this is a really fun topic and there's a lot of things you can test and try and experiment with and you probably will have to do that before you get it right and you really get perceived as authentic. But I do recommend look around a bit at some of the brands and companies that you perceive as very authentic and try to think about maybe what are they doing right? Why do I like this? Maybe they're very consistent. Then, then what makes them very consistent? Could it potentially be the tonality? So maybe think about that a bit. You can experiment a bit with that. You can try to play around a bit with your own tonality development concept and see where it takes you. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I would love your feedback. I'm going to be back soon with another episode where I'm going to be talking about the reader journey, the buyer journey, uh, the different touch points along the marketing and sales funnel, which is a bit of a dry topic, but very important as well to understand how to put out the best and highest quality content you possibly can. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in soon. Bye bye. Still listening? Great. 
I just wanted to say that if you want to support this podcast, it would be great if you could hit the follow button on Spotify or wherever you're listening. And as I said, I would love your feedback, so keep sending it on. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Nicole Alexandra Michaelis, and add me there if you have any questions. I also post all new episodes there. I'm also on Twitter under Nicole Tells It, and my website is NicoleTellsIt.com if you want to find out a bit more about me. I really need your support to get this thing heard by more people and your feedback to make sure that I'm putting out episodes that are really valuable. And yeah. I hope you're going to be back next week. And thank you so much for listening and supporting me so far. Bye-bye.